Thank you for tuning into the Vigilance Press Podcast. My name is James Dossie. You haven't heard from us in a while. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties. I've had to build a new podcasting system. But we're back, and who better to join us for our first day back than Steve Kenson from Green Renoon. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thanks, James. Great to be here. Yeah, good to have you back. Um, you are currently running, uh, or at least Green Ronin is running, a, uh, a new Kickstarter for a new role-playing game, and that's going to be the topic of today's discussion, the Blue Rose role-playing game. First mm-hmm. off, congratulations on, what did you guys hit the uh, the minimum funding in about 12 hours? Give or take, yeah. 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 Con- congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was really, it was very, um, we were very pleased at the, the initial reception. Folks seemed very excited about the about the Kickstarter and about the new edition of the game, so we're, we're very happy to see that. Yep. If anybody's listening to this podcast while uh, uh, while you're looking at the web and you want to go ahead and look it up, you can go to Kickstarter and search for Blue Rose, um, and uh, you should be able to find it pretty quickly. I'll also have a link in the podcast uh, description if you're viewing this from the Vigilance Press podcast site. Um, but uh, let's go back to the basics here for our audience who may not have, have met you before. Um, Steve Kenson is a designer and writer of role-playing games. You've worked on a number of different superhero systems. Uh, you've designed Mutants and Masterminds and the Icons role-playing games. Mm-hmm. What, what's your background in fantasy role-playing games? How many of those have you worked on? Um, well, I, I did about 10 years of, of freelance. So, uh, I worked on, I worked on a lot of, of games. Um, you know, when you're, you're in the freelance business, you, you get work wherever you can. Um, and, uh, I did a lot of work freelance, uh, in the very early days of the, the open game license and the D20 license, uh, which is ultimately what led to my, ex- my initial experience with Blue Rose. Um, because I was doing a lot of uh, D20 design um, for various companies, uh, and I wrote a couple of source books for Green Renin, uh, the um, Witch's Handbook uh, and the Psychic Handbook, um, and uh, worked on some other um, D20 products uh, for them as well as other publishers. So, um, you know, I was, I, I really got back, like a lot of players, back into the fantasy genre, um, with the advent of the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Before that, a lot of my fantasy work had been on games, uh, like Earth Dawn, um, from, uh, FASA Corporation. Um, I wrote a number of books, uh, for that. Um, so, uh, it's pretty wide ranging and, you know, like, uh, most longtime gamers, I'm, I'm a gaming omnivore. So, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I, I've, uh, you know, picked up and played a lot of different fantasy games, you know, uh, over the years. Excellent. Excellent. So, um, this is, this, this Kickstarter is to launch a new edition of Blue Rose. Talk about the first edition really quick. Um, mm-hmm. what system was that in? Well, um, the first edition of Blue Rose um, was uh, came as a proposal um, by uh, John Sneed, um, who conceived the original um, setting uh, and proposed it to Green Ronin. And uh, I received John's manuscript um, pretty much right at the beginning, as soon as I had hired on uh, with Green Ronin as a as a developer. 
um, I had hired on to to um, develop uh, the second edition of Mutants and Masterminds, um, which had uh, been recently published, and Green Ronin was looking to expand it out into a full line. Um, but my first development project at Green Ronin was actually Blue Rose. Um, and uh, I got John's manuscript, um, and it had a lot of strong novel ideas to it. Uh, but we wanted to um, kind of marry it to uh, a different take on the gaming system. Um, we we thought that um, the initial concept was a little too much like uh, a Dungeons and Dragons setting, um, and uh, you know this was you know in the the heyday of the the D twenty license. So um, I, I took a, a look over things and I put together an outline and a proposal for something that um, stripped down a lot of the D20 mechanics, um, used a lot of my um, prior experience doing something similar with Mutants and Masterminds, um, and, uh, you know, created a, a somewhat simpler, more streamlined system um, that uh, we ended up calling the True 20 um, system to to brand the the system versus the setting, um, and um, uh, the uh, Jeremy Crawford, uh, the editor who was um, freelance editing uh, the book um, along with me, uh, did a lot of uh, conceptual and development work um, with me on fleshing out a lot of aspects of the setting. Um, and working to marry a lot of the elements of the setting to the mechanics. Um, uh, these days, folks um, may know Jeremy as uh, one of the lead designers of the fifth, editions of, fifth edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, he's been working with Wizards of the Coast for a number of years now. Um, and um, so the, the, the initial game system, uh, you know, started with the... the um, uh, D20 reference document um, and kind of evolved from there um, as far as that went. Um, it was intended to be simpler, more fast playing, a little bit more narrative um, and involved uh, a, a very different take on um, what we call Arcana in Blue Rose, uh, the, basically the game's magic system um, that's much less uh, sort of fancy and fire and forget spells and much more um, sort of psychic skills um, that uh, adepts uh, use. So the um, when when did uh, when did the first edition of Blue Rose come out? Oh, you would have to ask because I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, we're talking about he says checking his references really quickly. Um, two thousand five. I was going to guess two thousand four. So, 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 so it's close. about the ten year anniversary now. Yeah, as a matter of fact. And we are launching a new, or you are launching a new Kickstarter, or launching a new edition. Mm -hmm. But you're using a different game system now. You're using the Age Correct. system. Um, what prompted the, the, the decision to, to uh, launch with a new game system? Well, um, we, uh, Green Ronin started, um, originally designed the, the uh, Age or Adventure Gaming Engine system. Uh, for the Dragon Age tabletop game uh, that we licensed from BioWare. Um, and Age uh, was initially concepted and designed by uh, Green Renine President Chris Pranis. Uh, 
uh, and it's proven a very popular system that has a lot of the qualities that we designed uh, True 20 to have um, in in similar uh, regards, in that it's it's fairly simple and quick playing um, and um, uh, relatively easy to to pick up, uh, and uh, the age system has proven very popular uh, in conjunction with Dragon Age. Uh, it's a system that Green Ronin would like to do more with. And so when um, the opportunity uh, to work uh, with Will Wheaton uh, on his new tabletop RPG show came along, um, because Will had run uh, a game of Dragon Age um, on his uh, prior season of tabletop, uh, he wanted to dedicate an entire um, RPG season to one game. Um, and so we came up with the, the concept of, of building out a more, you know, sort of uh, generic uh, set of age system rules. Uh, once we uh, knew that was going to be in place and we were going to be using that to support um, the um, uh, Titan's Grave, Ashes of Volcana stuff uh, on the, the web series, uh, we also thought about other settings that would potentially work well um, with with that system, and we thought about Blue Rose, which had been out of print for a while. Actually, it's technically still the books are still available. Um, and um, thought that would be a, an, an interesting you know match between the between the two. Uh, and uh, so far, it, it seems to have been. So uh, we're still in the process of, of designing, but. Um, there's there's a lot of, of interesting uh, interconnection. Yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit more specifically about age next week, so I don't want to do a whole lot of mechanical stuff about it. Mm-hmm. But sure. I do want to touch on real quick, especially since uh, um, one of our one of our fans asked uh, uh, kind of what what the difference. Uh, let's see, Dale Russell on Facebook asked uh, what what the mechanical difference is between Dragon Age and Blue Rose. If you can just speak to that real quick. Sure. Um, there we're talking about two sort of points of departure. Uh, one is the difference between Dragon Age and um, what we're referring to as referring to as Fantasy Age Basic, which is the the sort of basic core rules. Um, they're the rules that are used in Titan's Grave, and they're the basis we're working uh, building Blue Rose from. Um, that system primarily differs in that um, it's uh, stripped out all of the um, Dragon Age-specific, setting-specific material. Um, so uh, the, the classes are, are a little bit more um, generic, um, particularly the specializations, um, which are you know, sort of class focuses that characters can get as they advance in level, are, are obviously not setting-specific. Um, whereas in Dragon Age they were very setting specific, um, and uh, the um, abilities are, are tweaked slightly um, to reflect a more generic system versus um, Dragon Age's Thetis. So, um, for example, Dragon Age has a magic ability in it, um, which Fantasy Age does not, because the magic system is slightly different um, and uh, isn't the system that's used in Dragon Age, which is a very specific style of magic. Um, but most of the system is essentially the same. Um, the core mechanics, you know, uh, are all the same. It's 3D6-based. Um, 
and the the core uh, systems in terms of of ability tests and particularly the stunt mechanic uh, you know all essentially remain the same so anyone who's familiar with dragon age uh, will pick up uh, the changes from from fantasy age you know very quickly um the the additional point of departure for blue rose is uh, that uh, Blue Rose, once again, has its own specific uh, style of magic uh, to it that also differs from the generic system that we present in Fantasy Age, um, that uh, we're in the process, in fact, I'm uh, in the process of designing it right now, um, and uh, it's been a kind of a fun process. And um, there are going to be a lot of, you know, sort of putting setting specific material back into the game um, and taking that, you know, generic framework and then filling it with a lot of setting specific uh, specializations and talents and obviously the, the um, blue rose specific uh, races and the like for character options. We've, we've started to go from, from crunch to fluff as, as they like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the setting a little bit. What is Blue Rose for somebody who's never heard of it before? So Blue Rose is both uh, sort of a setting and uh, an emulation of a style of fantasy. So to take the second one first, uh, Blue Rose is what we refer to as uh, romantic fantasy, uh, which is uh, exemplified um, by fantasy that is particularly around the notion of uh, a uh, ultimately good society um, that uh, is uh, supported by uh, its heroes, uh, its adventurers, um, who often struggle with a variety of challenges um, that are uh, involve a lot of um, personal struggle, a lot of interrelationships, a lot of um, sort of social struggle, um, which may involve conflicts between their society and other societies or their own background and their greater society. Um, and it's exemplified in um, a lot of works of um, fantasy authors uh, like uh, Tamora Pierce and uh, Mercedes Lackey and um, to a certain degree, um, authors like Catherine Kurtz um, and uh, often involves a lot of um, psychic abilities, which are prominent in the game, um, and uh, a lot of um, oftentimes sort of coming-of-age stories, although that's not the only kind of story you can tell. Um, but um, a lot of those sorts of things that uh, involve personal struggle and change in addition to sort of the uh, more traditional hero's journey uh, kind of things that you'll find in other fantasy games not not unlike uh a lot of superhero comics it's sounding like uh indeed indeed and you're going to find a lot of uh, similarities between uh romantic fantasy and especially a lot of superhero comics that deal with younger characters or that deal with um a lot of the notions of um uh, superheroes as uh sort of um social outsiders uh, in some regards, uh, the X-Men being the classic example. Um, the, the Blue Rose as a setting uh, focuses uh, on uh, a world called Aldia, 
um, and a particular region uh, of that world that's um, roughly about the size of the Mediterranean um, is, is the coverage of the, the map uh, of the sort of known world that we deal with. Uh, the main focus is on uh, a, a nation called Aldis, also known as the Kingdom of the Blue Rose. Um, and um, Aldis was once the center of uh, a, uh, you know, a great uh, old kingdom um, long ago. Um, the, the old kingdom um, fell to the rule of uh, the evil sorcerer kings um, hundreds of years ago, um, who uh, expanded their power and conquered the whole of the known world. And the sorcerer kings uh, were eventually overthrown by a great rebellion uh, a um, little over 150 years ago uh, in the in the setting, um, and uh, so they uh, now the 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 new kingdom uh, and the surrounding lands have thrown off the shackles of the sorcerer kings uh, and are, you know, well through the process of, of rebuilding, but there's still, you know, a great deal of, of I mean, a great number of scars left in the world uh, from their lengthy rule and the lengthy wars to overthrow them. Um, and um, Aldous is essentially a, uh, you know, a, a good and decent kingdom that uh, is trying to do uh, right by all of its people. Uh, it's uh, ruled by, uh, you know, a uh, enlightened sovereign who's advised by a council of nobles. Um, and particularly, um, Aldous has the advantage of um, a form of divine guidance uh, in that uh, they have a, a patron spirit called the Golden Heart, um, who is uh the ally that helped them overthrow the sorcerer kings and now anoints and chooses the, the sovereign of all this and always ensures that the sovereign is a good person uh, who has the, the basically the best interests of the land and the people at heart, uh, much like the, you know, pretty much the divine right of, of sovereigns, you know, in mythology all over the world. Very cool. So um, to kind of, jump in here with another one of our fan questions um this sounds like a good time to talk about it uh, mm -hmm. what how does a player how, how would you introduce a player into this world what are they what are they going to be right well there are a number of options um the the sort of default or, or de facto approach um is that uh, there is uh, a, a group in Aldous uh, called the the sovereign's finest um and basically they are um the sort of elite agents of the crown uh who are chosen um to handle a variety of you know important and often delicate tasks um they, you know, range from um, going on diplomatic missions to um, both uh, the sort of towns and, and uh, cities and, and municipalities within all this itself, as well as um, the surrounding nations with which all this has varying degrees of relations, um, as well as uh, sort of being troubleshooters, dealing with a lot of potential threats or concerns uh, to Aldous. There's all sorts of um, 
dangerous things left over from the reign of the Sorcerer Kings and the Shadow Wars, um, ancient cursed artifacts and um, undead monsters and um, various what they refer to as shadow spawn uh, and the like. Um, there's um, you know, spies from enemy nations. There's uh, uh, monsters out in the wilderness um, and um, various other you know potential threats that um, the uh, the finest are the ones who are you know sent out to investigate these things and ultimately to find ways to deal with them uh, as much as possible. They're you know um, kind of um, you know secret agents, uh, poli- a little bit of a police force, but you know basically professional adventurers in service to the crown. And the the default assumption is that they're going to be the player characters. Okay. Now these uh, you spoke a little bit about. You mentioned races. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 world of uh, Blue Rose has uh, some unusual possibilities for player characters, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, basically, there are um, four humanoid races. Um, the the ever present humans, you know, as sort of a you know touchstone, um, and Three, uh, there are three other humanoid races. The, they're the, um, the, the Vada, uh, who are descendants of, um, basically very, uh, of arcane immortal light bearers, um, from the, the old kingdom. Um, their, um, immortal ancestors were wiped out by the sorcerer kings, but, uh, there's a strain of, uh, their descendants who interbred with humans. Uh, who have uh, some of their heritage and a measure of their sort of arcane power. Um, and uh, there's a, a sort of a, a strain or a cadet branch of the Vada who were um, transformed by the Sorcerer Kings um, called the Dark or the Shadow Vada, um, who are um, still, you know, although perceived by some as sort of inherently corrupt, are still, you know, capable of, making their own moral choices. And so they face certain prejudices in the modern world and challenges as a result of their heritage. Um, they're the sea folk um, who are uh, amphibious uh, and live in the, the waters in and around uh, Aldous and present some interesting opportunities for um, aquatic adventuring uh, and the like uh, for folks who want to uh, do those kinds of, of games and settings. Um, and, uh, there are the, what are called, commonly called the night folk, um, who are, uh, sort of a brutish species that was created by the sorcerer kings, um, as, uh, slaves and soldiers during their reign and were, um, freed when the sorcerer kings were overthrown. Um, and similarly, they're capable of, of making their own moral decisions and the like, but are also perceived as, um, somewhat inherently tainted because of their origins. Um, in addition to the, the humanoid races, uh, they're also what are called the Rhydon uh, in the, uh, the setting. And the Rhydon are um, essentially awakened animals of various kinds. Um, they're mostly common animals that are um, intelligent and sentient and psychic um, to varying degrees. Um, and so there are great cats and, um, horses 
um, dolphins called the riphon, um, wolves, uh, and a number of other um, rhydon species, essentially, that arise out of mundane animals. Um, the sort of nobles of the rhydon are the unicorns uh, and the griffins, who are um, seen as their sort of paired uh, leaders uh, in their communities. And the, the rhydon are... Um, were powerful allies uh, to the rebels in overthrowing the sorcerer kings uh, and now are accorded essentially the same uh, rights as citizens uh, in Aldous. So that's um, that's going to add an interesting element to uh, to role play to have characters like that. Uh, yeah, there's not humanoids. Not a lot of fantasy RPGs I know where you can play a psychic cat. <laughs> so when you describe the magic of Blue Rose as being very psychic. Um, mm-hmm. Are you are you discussing? Are you talking in terms of, of its impact on the physical realm? I mean, is it is it usually less direct in terms of how you would use it in a in a, no. in a combat scene, or is it more just the mechanism? It's it is there there are still very direct physical effects, um, you know, and uh, basically the the system breaks down into um, a set of um, what are called arcane talents um, that are much more like um, psychic abilities in many regards. So um, the classic, uh, the psychic talent, for example, is the classic um, sort of um, telepathic um, capabilities of um, communicating mind to mind uh, and those sorts of things. Uh, But uh, the shaping talent, on the other hand, is much more um, sort of across of uh, psychokinetic and uh, a lot of um, sort of the um, bending capabilities from Avatar um, that you would see of, of being able to command and shape the elements uh, and those sorts of things. Um, so um, adepts who wield these um, arcane talents um, have, can have some very formidable physical abilities uh, in terms of, you know, being able to, to move large masses of material or, um, you know, levitate things, you know, that sort of a thing. Um, but one of the key elements of um, Arcana in Blue Rose is uh, that a lot of the Arcana, especially the stuff that interacts, um, you know, mind to mind, is very heavily... Uh, based on how you use it. Um, and one of the issues um, that ties into the, the whole background of the setting um, is, the, is the potential uh, for um, corruption, essentially. Um, the, um, the, the sorcerer kings um, that, who infamously rose to, to rule the world uh, essentially were able to do so because um, misuse of arcana is powerfully tempting and corrupting. Um, and the more corrupt you become, uh, the more powerful you get. Um, and it's a sort of a reinforcing cycle, uh, as far as that goes. So there are a lot of, uh, somewhat, you know, unusual applications of, um, the, the various arcana. For example, Using arcana to control, to usurp control of someone's mind is an evil act. 
uh, and uh, would result in somebody potentially becoming corrupt if that was something they did on a regular basis. It's not something that good uh, adepts do. Uh, it's something that sorcerers do. Um, but uh, so a lot of the traditional sort of I'm going to use magic to take control, take over your mind uh, sort of a thing isn't something that the player care is something the player characters are going to want to be careful of um, because it's it's dangerous and it's tempting and it leads to a lot of comp- potential complications. Um, and so there are a number of, of sorcerous powers uh, in the system. And there are a number of powers that are sort of in that sort of gray area where they have sorcerous applications and not sorcerous applications, depending on what you do with them. <laughs> um, so there's there's a some some temptation built into the system. It's not just uh, throwing around magic missiles. Cool. Um, speaking of the setting a little bit, um, as as a reboot uh, or not a reboot, as a as a new addition. Um, mm-hmm. Does this uh, one of the things that you've done with Green Running is uh, for our, for the superhero game system Mutants and Ma- uh, Masterminds? You've done several editions of the Freedom mm-hmm. City uh, source books, and mm-hmm. in each edition, each iteration, you've kind of forwarded the timeline. Are you going to be doing an approach like that for B- Blue Rose? Uh, that we are, in fact, uh, planning on advancing the the setting timeline, uh, probably about the same amount as of real time that's passed, so probably about 10 years or so. Um, we're, we're still in the um, outlining stages, but that seems to be the, the approach that's working pretty well to do all the things that we want. Um, we don't want, we're, we're not looking to, to like wholesale, um, uh, you know, reboot, like you said. Um, we, we want to uh, move things forward a bit so that we can kind of tweak some of the things um, that were in the original edition of the game. Uh, we can create some new conflicts and some new characters, maybe some new elements to the setting that have arisen, um, and, uh, you know, shift, you know, or move out some things that we feel might be a bit stale, uh, about it and just, you know, sort of, you know, give the whole thing a, a refresh, uh, as far as that goes. It'll allow us to, to, you know, have some things have happened essentially. Uh, in recent history, uh, and, and you know, give us an opportunity to introduce new elements without having them just you know sort of materialize out of nowhere. Very cool. Um, do you have any? Uh, can can you? Is it too early to talk about any kind of the new setting material or ideas that might be introduced that way? Well, I can't go into a lot of detail, but one example uh, I can provide is that um, when uh, the original um, Blue Rose came out, um, Jalen, who is the queen of Aldous, uh, the current sovereign, um, was uh, fairly young and inexperienced um, and had only been sovereign for a relatively short time. Uh, She had been chosen as sovereign when um, she was uh, only 18 um, and um, had only been sovereign for a a few uh, short years. Um, but now, um, when we're working with the current edition of the game, uh, Jalen has been sovereign for nearly 15 years. Um, actually, she's been sovereign for nearly half her life um, and is, you know, a much more mature figure uh, who is much more uh, confident of her power and her position, um, but has also had to make uh, a number of, of difficult choices 
you know, over, you know, her time as, as sovereign. And, you know, those have, have impacted, you know, her rule and, um, how she's perceived and, uh, you know, what, you know, the current state of things is. Um, so we, we are, you know, kind of moving, uh, in some regards from, uh, you know, a, a sort of naive, the naive innocence of, of those first years, you know, to a, to a much more mature footing. Um, with that character, and that sort of echoes through a lot of aspects of the setting. One of the things that uh, uh, has been stressed um, by a number of the people like Nicole, you, and others um, is that this is a very kind of inclusive setting. Mm-hmm. Um, who is Blue Rose for, and and what kinds of what what do you guys mean by when you, when you talk about inclusive? Well, you know, I think that the, the, the obvious and desirable answer is that Blue Rose is for everybody. And, um, we, we really both mean that and want that to be as true as we can make it. Um, when we're talking about inclusivity, um, it's really simply a matter of saying when you look at a setting or a story or, uh, you know, an opportunity to create a character, um, that you see some element or reflection of yourself in there, whomever you may be. Um, and I think that that's, you know, in the terms of role-playing games especially, you know, which are basically, you know, just collaborative fantasy, um we all want a certain balance of um, being able to um, fulfill fantasies, you know, to be characters who are more powerful and more competent and, you know, um, you know, generally more awesome than our, you know, day-to-day lives, um, but also tempered with characters who are like us in some way. Um, and, you know, who are reflections of us, but more awesome, you know, essentially. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking to make, um, Blue Rose, uh, you know, and we always look to make Blue Rose, but we're looking to continue the theme of making Blue Rose, uh, a setting where people can, you know, see themselves, um, in, in some way. And, you know, so in terms of, of both, uh, racial diversity, um, in terms of gender diversity, um, and, um, uh, sexuality. And especially when we're talking about, you know, uh, a set, a genre that is very heavily involved with interpersonal relationships and has romance right in the name. Um, we want to talk about all of the different, you know, uh, kinds of romance, um, that there are and, uh, kinds of relationships and the, the kinds of, of characters that, you know, and conflicts that rise out of that. Um, so, uh, you know, we are, we're really looking to, to make, um, the setting feel, um, welcoming, um, so that when people read it, they can say, Hey, you know, wow, I, I have a place here. Uh, and not just, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, Oh, and by the way, you know, all you other people, you're welcome here. Um, but in terms of really integrating um, those things into the setting, um, which is both uh, challenging in some regards, but also really worthwhile. 
um, because it, it makes things feel like they're they're organically a part of the world rather than just something we shoehorned into it. Very cool. So um, one of the things that a lot of fantasy settings um, kind of have a, a visual uh, identification with, and this isn't necessarily consistent through all of the like like if we talked to uh, Dungeons and Dragons, if we looked at Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, it originally began as sort of a tweaked fantasy wargaming kind of setting, you know, but it was like a medieval setting with yes. knights in armor. And as it progressed, it became more and more fantastical. Um, and, you know, like with 5th edition, they they made a, a, a really good effort, I think, to try and make the art include a lot more diverse characters to mm-hmm. really to really touch on on things like that. Um, same can be said of a number of other games out there. Is is the uh, Blue Rose setting kind of rooted in like a medieval or some other period of history, or does it feel like a little more like one of the more kind of alien fantasy settings where it's like this is this is a world that was created in a completely different way? Uh, there's a little bit of both um, as far as that goes. I wouldn't. I would send, tend to say that Blue Rose tends to partake of a much more um, post-Renaissance kind of feel um, to its its setting. Um, you know, its its medieval period was some time ago and was really much more. You know, the the rule of the Sorcerer Kings was essentially Blue Rose's Dark Ages. Um, you know, for all intents and purposes. And after their overthrow, there was sort of this great renaissance. Um, so you see a great deal more of, um, rather than, you know, a lot of, of um, fantasy RPG art partakes now of sort of the gritty realism um, sort of approach, uh, which, you know, produces some fantastic art, you know, but you'll see, you know, the adventurers in their, you know, sort of dented up armor, and, you know, they, they've got, they're loaded down with all of their equipment and, you know, it looks like they're all, you know, ready for anything, you know, they're set for an expedition, you know, sort of a thing. And usually they're, you know, unshaven, you know, and whatnot. Um, and Blue Rose is much more, uh, much more of a sort of, you know, renaissance age of sale, you know, sort of master and commander, um, st- sort of style of fantasy. You're much more likely to see um, envoys of the sovereign's finest, you know, dressed in their, you know, really nice looking uniforms, you know, with the gold braid and, you know, their medals of office pinned on there and things like that. Not that they don't, you know, go out into the field, um, but there's, there's a certain degree of sophistication, uh, as far as that goes. And, uh, we're really, we've really worked with the notion that, um, the the society, um, particularly in all this, puts the the capabilities of um, all of the arcane talents um, to to use. Um, it's you know our adepts and arcana are not just about you know going out and fighting monsters. Uh, if you have people who have the you know magical power to heal people by touching them, um, you know then you know obviously medicine for example, is much more advanced um, than you would find even in, you know, the 17th and 18th centuries, you know, in parts of the of our world. Um, 
you know, there, there are certain aspects of it, you know, surgery, for example, is not as far along, um, because again, you have people who can touch people and heal them magically. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, the, the skills of the, of the, you know, sort of mundane, you know, field surgeon are probably not that, you know, as far along. Um, but, you know, overall health in a society, you know, is, is actually comparable to what we would expect, you know, from modern medicine. Um, so people are living longer. There's much lower infant mortality. There's, you know, much sort of greater overall health. Most people are not dying from disease. Um, those sorts of things. Likewise, when you have, you know, adepts who can, you know, reshape, um, earth and stone, um, with the power of their minds, um, you know, things like civil engineering, is influenced by that. Um, and certainly you have laborers and stonemasons and the like, but, you know, um, earth shaping adepts, you know, certainly play a potent role. Um, so we, we, you see elements of, of um, the society that are somewhat alien in the sense that they're, they're influenced by a completely different sort of technology Um you know, there, there are advances in the, in the Blue Rose world that are actually even beyond our current take, current technological capabilities because they're magic. Um, but, you know, they're, you know, obviously considerably more limited in other regards. Um, you know, there's nothing, you know, like our modern telecommunications, you know, unless you count psychic stuff. So purely in terms of the aesthetic, it almost sounds a little bit more like a very fanciful, and kind of elegant version of, of a Three Musketeers tile setting. Yeah, yeah, in many regards it is. You know, I mean, minus the, the flintlocks and such, because uh, there's no gunpowder. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're, you see something much more, you know, like that sort of swashbuckling aesthetic. Very cool. So what's your favorite part of the setting that... that Drew, you don't want to be. You're you're officially line developing this one, right? I I am. I, well, I'm lead developer. Lead developer. I'm sorry. So, yes. um, what is what is what? So, what's that role mean, and what drew you to want to do this? Um, well, you know, I think that the thing that most um, drew me to the the concept of uh, Blue Rose was um, both its inclusiveness. Um, and the, the, the way that, you know, we made a lot of the decisions, um, and things that the characters care about matter. Um, and, you know, and one of the things we want to reflect in the, the game system is that the, the characters' motivations and their connections with other people are very important. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about that in terms of the, you know, the sort of magic system in that, you know, a lot of the characters intent is very important in what they do with their powers. Um, and, um, you know, there's an underlying, if I can dip back into the superhero metaphor, great power comes great responsibility sort of, you know, quality to it. Um, that, you know, um, characters who are invested with this power have to, have to be worthy of it. Otherwise it's going to corrupt them. Um, and, um, likewise, uh, I like the notion that, um, the, the characters are, you know, essentially by default, 
you know, the, the protectors of their society, essentially. They're, they're the people who the, the people trust, um, to, you know, wield a great deal of power in order to, you know, get things done and to ensure that people remain safe. Um, and that has a great deal of appeal to me because I, I like a lot of, you know, very heroic qualities in fantasy. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, um, there's plenty to be said for, you know, sort of the gritty, um, fantasy tale, but I kind of like the notion that, you know, at its heart, um, you know, Blue Rose is about being a good guy, um, who is, is looking to, you know, kind of make the world a better place or at the very least keep the world a good place. So touching on the, uh, Kickstarter really quick, um, just as we're recording, uh, hopefully I get this podcast out before it becomes no longer relevant but <laughs> but uh, as we're recording you guys are uh, have have crested uh, 26,000 out of out of your ten, original mm-hmm. 10,000 asking which unlocks uh, a couple of stretch goals already um, yeah. you guys have yeah. unlocked um, new cover art uh, a new mic uh, let's see one couple of micro settings and other mm-hmm. elements um, yep and you're closing in on uh, a new series framework and yep. the full color interior, which of yes. course is what I'm excited about. Yeah, me too. I'm really. I'm, I was very excited about um, getting new cover art from um, Stephanie uh, Puman Law, uh, who is the original cover artist for Blue Rose, and who really uh, her her covers really defined the look and sort of aesthetic of the, the setting mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of regards. So I'm really psyched um, that she is uh, willing to um, work with us uh, for a, a new uh, cover piece for the book. Um, and um, also really, you know, excited about the possibility of doing a full color book because the original um, edition of Blue Rose was very modest um, and was a, a black and white soft cover uh, mm-hmm. apart from Stephanie's gorgeous covers. Um, so I really think that a color interior will actually be able to do the setting justice in a way that we couldn't, uh, before. So, uh, I really hope that we, we, uh, break through that, um, stretch goal soon because I'd love to see that. For people listening who might be familiar with Tianxia, our, our, uh, Vigilance Press's, uh, Wuxia setting for the Fate role-playing game, I see a lot of reflections of the same kind of aesthetic Mm. Uh, in 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 Stephanie's work, you know. So if you if you're just listening to this and you want to check it out, definitely head to the Kickstarter page. There's a couple of examples of her beautiful artwork up there, that, which are just you know absolutely Stop. worth the price of admission, right yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. What uh, what what things do you think might surprise people if they haven't had a chance to play um, the True Twenty version? of the game and and maybe what what things do you think might be surprising to people who are familiar with blue rose well i think that um the the most surprising things um about blue rose as a setting are the the way that it can um sort of influence uh gameplay um, you know, although we're, we're looking to build some, um, relationship mechanics, 
into the uh, the system, um, and we're in the early stages of of putting that together. Um, the setting itself uh, and just the the sort of high concept of it um, that puts the characters in a certain role of responsibility um, has a really interesting effect on you know uh, when the characters are invested with with being responsible for something. Um, instead of, of being sort of, um, you know, the typical role of adventurers is, is that of, you know, mercenaries or, you know, sort of outsiders, um, you know, the sort of, um, seven samurai approach of, you know, you know, adventurers wander into town one day and they, you know, encounter a problem or they, you know, meet an old man with a map at a tavern and, um, you know, uh, they're, they're generally not a part of things. Even when they, you know, go out and save the world from, you know, this tremendous evil or the like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the characters in, in Blue Rose are very much a part of things. Uh, and, um, I find it fascinating that the uh, sort of immediate effect that has on the way people play. Um, because, you know, it's, it's like, um, skipping a lot of the intermediate vagabond adventurer stages and going right to that, you know, what we, I'm going to really date myself here, but going right to what we used to call the name level stuff, mm-hmm. you know, D and D where you're suddenly a baron responsible for a town or, um, you know, a, a high priest who has, has built a, a temple and is now responsible for running it in addition to, you know, all of your sort of heroic adventurer stuff. And so I, I think that that is, is really an interesting element of the setting in terms of the way it impacts the way people play and the sort of decisions they make for their characters. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that in, in recent years, I've noticed that setting has a huge impact on the way that my players approach a game, especially when they have a really good example of, you know, a hook that, that helps them understand the setting really well. Um, mm-hmm. Like artwork, or you know, a shared uh, media experience, like either either novels that we've read together, or you know, that we've mm-hmm. all read, or movies or shows that we've seen. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to see how the book kind of sells that setting and explains it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What's the uh, do you guys? Well, I guess you guys have to wait until you finish the Kickstarter to know how big this book is going to be. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it's going to be enormous. Um. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, modest. We don't want to be, you know, too. You know, Green Ronin has has a tendency to make um, big books. Oh yeah, yeah. We like big books, and we cannot lie. Uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we we do have a tendency to you know produce these these enormous tomes. Um, you know, especially as a result of Kickstarters. So we, although we are planning on adding, you know, we have several stretch goals that add content, um, to, to the book. We are still tr- planning on trying to keep Blue Rose to a manageable size. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about while you were, while you were stopping by today? I didn't want to keep you too much longer, but uh, if you have any other projects in the works that you want to mention? Um, well, that's, you know, um, as, as folks may, already know at this point i i did lead design on um the out of the abyss adventure 
um, for uh, Rage of Demons uh, for uh, D&D that's coming up. And um, so cool. that was – and so, you know, really that's my only other upcoming uh, project to to speak of. Um, and, you know, it consumed much of my, you know, last year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, there, there isn't really uh, a whole lot to add as, as far as that goes. But um, as far as the as far as Blue Rose and the Kickstarter go, I, the only thing I'd really add is that um, myself and um, everyone, you know, involved with with Green Renine, um, Nicole Lindrus is is administrating the uh, Kickstarter uh, for the company. Uh, we're all really accessible um, on uh, social media and on Twitter and, you know, via messaging on Kickstarter and our, our own forums and all of that stuff. Um, and so if people have questions uh, about the Kickstarter, about the setting, about any of that stuff, um, we're happy to, you know, answer as best we can, you know, I mean, within the limits of, you know, unfortunately some of our answers are, yeah, we're working on that and we're, we're, we're still not sure yet, but, um, you know, we're still in very much in the early design stages on a number of things. So it's hard to be definitive, but, you know, if we can explain things better, you know, we're always happy to. Um, and especially if anybody has, um, either questions or feedback for us in related to issues of inclusivity about games or game books or settings. Um, I would love to hear it. Um, if people have, you know, always, if, if you're out there and you're listening and you've said to yourself, you know, I just wish a setting would do this kind of character justice, um, would finally reflect this element of my world better. You know, I'd love to hear about it. You know, I don't know whether or not it's something that, you know, fits into the the world of Blue Rose, but I'd like for as much, you know, as possible to fit into that world. Um, So, you know, I really love to, you know, hear from from other people's experience um, because, you know, I'm, uh, you know, we we make an effort to, you know, include as broad a range of experience as we can. And we've consulted a lot of people. Um, but you know, more input is always a good thing in terms of giving us a wider point of view. I, I could talk about this all day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. But uh, let me let you get back to working on it, and um, congratulations on the D and D as well. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, we've had uh, Rodney Thompson on the show a couple of times, so hopefully we've still got some D and D listeners out there who'd be interested in Blue Rose. Um, I think. Uh, I think one of the things I really love about D&D is the class-based kind of system that kind of the it gives you a really quick template to build characters mm-hmm. by. Yes. And I remember from the True 20 that there was a very simple class-based system there. Um so I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys do with the Fantasy Age version of it. So, we'll we'll uh we'll stay tuned. Um oh, one 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 last thing I do want to uh sure. mention in the in the if you guys are interested in the um, Kickstarter, but you haven't picked up the original True True Twenty version of Blue Rose, uh, some of the some of the backer um, mm-hmm. categories will actually uh, give you uh, some of the original PDFs of Correct. the original Blue Rose. Um, are those going to go out before the uh, before the end of the 
um, Kickstarter, or are those things the rewards that will be delivered after the Kickstarter ends? I believe that all the rewards or the PDF rewards that are available will be delivered after the Kickstarter ends. Okay. Um, just because it's the really the only effective logistical way to do it. Um, but uh, yeah, I I believe that that is currently the plan. Excellent. All right. Well, so if you guys are interested, you guys be. Uh, I would I again point you to the Blue Rose Kickstarter. I'm really excited about the new book. I hope you guys are too. Steve, thank you so much for stopping by. My pleasure. All right. And uh, I look forward to seeing you at Gen Con. Me too. All right. Bye-bye.